Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Tell the person by your side gently, say go. Say go brother, go sister. For avoidance of doubt, just in case you don't know where we're sharing from, you've not been in church for too long. The Bible says, Jesus talking, Matthew chapter 28, 18 and 19. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. He says, for lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, this is what theologians call the Great Commission. What did I call it? You know, and many people don't seem to know what a commission is. From their demeanor and their approach to this message, they probably think it's the Great Suggestion. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's a Great Commission. You've been commissioned to go. And so you cannot possibly be a Christian and not be an evangelist. There is no such person. There is no such person. So with due respect to your temperament, to your personality type, to your exposure, you must begin to prepare and to train to be an effective evangelist, telling the world about the gospel. Hallelujah. So I, I, I want to tell you, you have to preach. You have to preach this message. And there's something fundamental I want to tackle. I think this is the problem with the church today. This is the reason why um, somehow we have embraced the possibility of being active in church and yet not doing the very work he has called us to do. We need to reassess and re-examine our relationship with the Lord. And like I said in the first service, a vital question must be asked, who is the God in this relationship? Who is serving who? Turn your Bibles very quickly. There is a call to worship in Psalm chapter 95, a Psalm of David. You know, I, and I want us to look at this. This is so powerful and it's a wonderful reminder of the dynamics of our relationship with the Lord. Are you in Psalm 95? From verse 1 he says, Oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully with psalms. For the Lord is great and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hand formed dry lands. Everybody read verse 6 together, want to go. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. Verse 7, everybody together, want to go. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Hallelujah. Can you say loud amen? amen. So like I said, you have to be very clear. The basis of your relationship with the Lord. I know that there are some relationships that are difficult to discern by mere appearance. 
Every now and then you see two people you think to be sisters until they are introduced as mother and daughter. Has that happened to you before? But you see, there is one relationship that must be obvious to everyone. And that's the relationship between a believer and his maker. Listen, this is very serious. The defining factor and the dividing line is this. Who serves who? So when they look at your relationship with God, who is doing the serving? Who is doing the running around? That's the divining factor. Listen, God is not a drug. As if this needs to be said. It's funny that this needs to be said. God is not a drug. There is more to him than the healing that you seek. God is not a wallet. There is more to him than the money that you seek. God wants a relationship with you, not with your needs. Listen, this is so important. It has to be said. And you see, respectfully, I want to ask, aren't you tired going to church twice a week, many people, and all you hear about and all you pray about is give me, give me, give me. You know, um, there's a breakthrough for you and all of that. Isn't it depressing? And that's why I started with this psalm. We need to reassess, reassess and re-examine the basis of our relationship. He says, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. He says, for he is our God. Not because of what he gives, but he is God. We are the sheep of his pasture. He made us and not we ourselves. This is, this, is, this is a fundamental understanding you must have. He's God. And yeah, he loves you. And he provides for you. And he heals you. But he wants a relationship with you and not with your needs. Say loud amen if you believe. Turn your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. Now one day background of the story you're about to read, Jesus was at the shore of a river. He saw religious people. How do I know they were religious people? Because they were Jews. And they must have observed all the sacraments of the Jewish tradition. Prayed regularly. Gone to the synagogue as often as they were required to. But then this was a defining moment. One of the most powerful statements in the entire Bible. Jesus sees this man and the Bible says, Matthew 4, 19, it says, and he said unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Can you all say that from follow me, one to go? <clears throat> now, this is so resounding. This is life changing. Follow me. And so there's two, there are, there are, let me say four very important points I want to draw from this. The first is this. The fact that he says, follow me and I will make you. I mean, if you observe the average religious churchgoer today, it's almost as if the phrase that will fit what they are doing is this, follow me and I will give you. But he doesn't say, follow me and I will give you. He says, follow me and I will make you. So listen, fundamentally, God is not trying to give you something. Do you know the average churchgoer today doesn't know that? 
not trying to give you something. He's trying to make you someone. This changes everything. Paul said, for this cause I bow my knees to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He says that he may grant you according to his spirit to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. He says that you've been rooted and grounded in love. God wants you rooted and grounded. Thank God for all the wonderful things around you. His focus is your inside. What goes on in your spirit? Not in your pocket, but in your spirit. Being rooted and grounded. Being established in the faith, he told the church at Colossae. That's something that you must experience. Listen, you can be in church 30 years and not know, know about what I'm saying. You can be in church 50 years, donkey years, and not know about this. God wants you to grow up. The second very important point that I want to draw from this powerful text is this. You can get better at spiritual things. Oh, this is comforting. This is encouraging. So, or maybe the first time you came to this church, you saw people jumping, singing, you know, dancing hysterically, and you were wondering, you know, the jumping in particular. Why are they jumping? What's really going on here? You know, and then when you saw people praying, taking notes, in your heart of hearts, you were just like, how I wish I could be this spiritual. I really want this. I just don't know how to go about it. Now, this text, if you fall into that category, this text is very assuring to you. Because it tells you this, if you follow, you will become. It says, follow me and I will make you. You know, that's resounding and assuring. If I follow, I will become. Everything I want to see in my walk with God, I will see if I would just follow. So this is a call to discipleship, a call to spiritual training. There is a school of the spirit and every deficiency and so-called inadequacy can be handled in that school. Just the same way you enroll into a school as a novice and you graduate as a professional with a degree. There is a school of the spirit. Everything you desire, desire you can become. Say loud amen. amen. You're scared to preach? That can be handled. You can't explain the gospel in an articulate manner. That can be handled. You've never won a soul before. That can be handled. That can change. If I follow, I will become. So it's, it's a resounding assurance. Follow me and I will make you fishes of men. The third thing I want to draw out from this is this. And this is a very powerful and resounding one. Pay attention. Whatever else you are good at bears witness that you can be a better evangelist. This is so powerful. Whatever else you are good at bears witness that you can be a better evangelist. Why did I say this? Because you have to realize when he said, I will make you fishers of men, he said that because he was talking to fishermen. He said that because he was talking to fishermen. So he's telling them, listen, I see how you have mastered the art of catching fish. 
I see your proficiency in this area. Guess what? As good as you are at this, here is something else you can be good at. Catching men. So if he was talking to you, he would have said, I know you are a good architect, but you ought to be a good evangelist as well. I know you are good at medical science. You ought to be good at winning souls as well. I know you are great at accounting. You ought to be great at winning souls as well. Everything you are good at bears witness that you can be a better evangelist. And this is so important. Listen, what will be your excuse when you stand before God and tell him that all your life on earth, you were working in the marketing department of your company and you were able to persuade people to open an account with your bank or you were able to get Nigerians to invest in insurance. Do you know how hard that is? That's the hardest thing. In Nigeria, you're in insurance business and you have customers and you say you can't win souls. <clears throat> you can convince a Nigerian to have health insurance. They will say things like, me, we never chop, you know. <laughs> you want to say you can't win souls? You can! So he's telling you, when you read this, you have to read this, you know, through the lenses of your own nine to five. How can I claim to be good at music or good at dancing or good at anything else? And then have the audacity to say, I don't really know how to win souls. Whatever you are good at is witness that you can be a better evangelist. Hallelujah. So God, has told, God is telling you this morning, you've won many souls. It's time to win more. And if you haven't won souls, you've won contracts. You've won contracts. You stood in front of a boardroom and you gave a sales pitch. And it was strong enough an argument to convince them to commit. You can win souls. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you this morning, you've won contracts. It's time to win souls. Did you hear what I'm saying? I said, you've won contracts and it's time to win souls. The fourth important point that crosses my mind when I read this powerful text is evangelism is systematic. There is a system to it. There is a curriculum to it. You, you, listen, you can get better at it. You, it can be taught. You can learn it. That's why he said, I will make you fishers of men. Because there's a proficiency to it. You see, in catching fish, there is a type of bait to use and a type of hook to use. A time of the day that you should fish. A part of the ocean that you should fish. So now he says, I'll make you fishers of men. So that tells you there is a science and an art to it. It can be systematic. Listen, I know a lot of preachers all, all over the world follow our teaching. And I, I just want to say this because I know a lot of them are here. Do you know why there's a lot of preaching and not a lot of doing? Do you know why you tell people to pray and they don't pray? Fast and they don't fast. Witness and they don't witness. 
The reason is simply this. You have to create a curriculum and an environment for them to do the things that you're teaching. This is so important. So Jesus didn't stop his grandiose evangelical sermon by simply saying, I'll make you fishers of men and telling them about the need to evangelize. One day, he gathered them together and sent them out. And this is something that churches must do. It's not enough to have it in the mission statement of your church that you are committed to win souls. You must have programs and teachings that emphasize this and, you know, give people the opportunity to actually do it. Which is what you are going to do. Say loud amen if you're excited. Yeah. Amen. Even if you're not excited, you're a church member, you're going to do this. So the good news is we've come up with a discipleship manual for every one of you. You know, we wanted to print it. Hallelujah. I like that excitement. Give the Lord a shout. Come on. So, I mean, it's a four-course or a five-course program. The first is an explanation of the gospel. The second is how do I stop sinning? The third is, um, how do I build a prayer life? The fourth is, I think, on tongues, you know. So just step by step. Step, step by step. Not just to get people saved, but to um, disciple them for a while. All right. But I want you to download its PDF. It's a logbook. So I'm going to expect feedback. I want you to send reports. The people you have preached to. Did you get them saved? What about being filled with the Spirit? You know, are they speaking in tongues now? And all of that. And then for feedback also, if, you, if they asked you a question you couldn't answer, you should be able to reach one of us so that we can help out with that. Say loud amen one more time. So Jesus didn't just say, win souls. He gathered them and sent them out. Not just did he send them out, he told them where to go, how to go, what to say. He was very specific. So I want you to turn your Bibles fast as you can. Matthew chapter 10, the first verse tells us that he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And then he sent them out, you know. And then you come to verse 5, the specifics. It says, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not the way of the Gentiles. So he told them where to go. He told them to preach to the lordship of the house of Israel, all right? He told them what to say, verse 7 of Matthew 10. He says, and as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you realize not many people know what to say when they preach? Many people state the obvious. Many people, I mean, the, 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 the beginning and the end of their evangelism is announcing to people that they are sinners and they are going to die. That's not preaching. Guess what? Sinners know that they are sinners. I'm telling you, they do. They know what they're doing is wrong. So that's not news. And it definitely isn't good news. So what's the good news? It is not that they are sinners, not that they are doomed to die. The good news is what Jesus has done about it. Just so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. People need to know that they are sinners. They need to know. They need to know. But some people, that's all they preach. 
And in fact, the definition of the sin, <laughs> that's another thing. Topic for another day. Listen, in a nutshell, Jesus said, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says, he that does not believe is condemned already. A lot of people stop in verse 16. It continues in verse 17 and 18. So it tells you the major sin that will condemn people to hell and to death is the rejection of the gospel. That's the major sin. So it is true that it is sin that made people die. But really and actually, Jesus died for the sins. So if they still go to hell, it's not actually because of the sins anymore. It's because they didn't receive the provision of salvation in Christ. You have to understand. So he says, he that does not believe is condemned. So you should focus on the preaching. Many people don't know what to say. Jesus told them what to say. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. He even told them how to go. Travel light, he said. Don't go with gold, silver, brass, you know. And he told them why, he said, because the workman is worthy of his meat. Something else he told them that is very important and many people don't know today. In verse 14, Matthew chapter 10, take me back. Verse 14, you know what he said? And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house and of the city, shake off the dust of your feet. So now, this is very important. He tells them ahead of time, some will reject you. <laughs> and if they reject you, that's okay. So meaning it's a mentality you have before you ever go out that some are going to reject and that's okay. You're not ready to preach if you don't embrace this. And then he tells you what to do. One day, I'm going to teach on this. I'm going to teach on the rejection of the gospel. It is an aspect of evangelism that is not really spoken about. Hmm. People are not ready for that one. <laughs> I remember when we were discussing it in pastor's meeting, all the pastors said, Pastor, when you want to teach it, you will be the one to teach it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's that serious. Just some things I'm seeing happening in the world, and it's very clear in the Word of God what the Bible says about it. We've not, we've not really studied. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. So, when Jesus sent people out to preach, he told them what to say, where to go. Imagine we had that training. Because really, listen, Jesus was really good at this stuff. There's a lot to learn from him. In John chapter 4, Jesus sat at a well, had a good conversation with this lady. So, they were talking about water, supposedly, not knowing that water was going to lead to the water of eternal life. In fact, it was never really about water. The lady just didn't know. But it just tells us you can start a conversation with people. You see, 
Some of us act as if we don't really care about the people we are preaching to. We just want the reward, you know, the pat on the back from God if we get them saved. We don't really care. You know, when we were young, they told us that for everyone who is saved, you know, there will be a star on your crown. So it's nothing personal, just business. <laughs> I, I want a star. You know, so someone can be having a bad day. You've not even asked, how are you? How are you doing? You know, you are in a flight that will last six hours. You just straight up, you see, don't you know that? You know? <laughs> and the person is like, in his mind, the person is like, this is going to be a long flight. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you can have a good conversation with someone. Even the disciples, when they came back, from a distance, they were shocked. Oh, Jesus is talking to this babe. <laughs> you know, the Bible clearly says that. They were shocked. Yeah, she was a Samaritan, then she was a woman. What's happening? Why are they giggling? What are they saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. Learn to start conversations. We, we, there's so much to learn. All right? And you see... When you start conversations the proper way, it is easy to then transit. Easy. There are two books I want to recommend for you. I'm recommending a lot of books these days. I'm changing. The first is Zero to Eternity. I want you to actually get this book, all right? Zero to Eternity by Wendell Smith. Wendell is spelled W-E-N-D-E-L-L. Wendell Smith. The second is one thing you can't do in heaven. One thing you can't do in heaven by Mark Cahill. This one thing you can do in heaven changed my life. I think that guy witnesses to 1,000 souls every year. Challenged me. You know, it's a good book. Yeah, of course. The reason I didn't used to recommend books before because is because there must be one comma, you know, I'm, and I'm a jealous pastor, like guarding my people jealously. I don't want you to get any wrong ideas. But hey, now you've come to a point of some maturity I can recommend, right? All right. So the reason I recommended these books in particular is because they gave brilliant ideas on how to start conversations. And many of you, it's not actually the gospel that is your problem. Sharing it is not your problem. You just don't know how to start. It's that starting that is difficult. Has it ever happened? You just started and then it became easier going forward. You know, so it's just that starting. So when you learn, I mean, how to start with the right, you know, conversation starters, it becomes easier. So I want to give you some. Listen, I'm taking this process so that you can be a doer of the word. I don't want you to enter one year and go out. So as I'm listening, I want you to write because you are going to do it. Amen, somebody. So some of them are from the books and some of them are from my personal experience. The first is, this one is easy. Everybody can do this. Just invite them to church. Just invite them to church. You see, another reason why some people struggle with evangelism. It's not even the message. It's not even how to start. It's just the environment. Are you aware that even the best of us in some settings, 
it's not as easy. Are you, are you, do you understand? Even though training can really handle all, the, all of those things. But whether you like it or not, or not, there's a reason why when Jesus wants to raise up that damsel that is dead, he will keep every one of our relatives outside, shut the door. Because whether you like it or not, there are some environments that make it more conducive for the power of God, you know, and for the ministry of the Spirit. The same thing works with evangelism. You know, just invite them to church. And you might be shy, maybe, you know, to go into in-depth apologetics and the preaching of the gospel. But you say, hey, you know what? I have a great church. You should find this Sunday to come. We have this program coming up soon. She come. And let me tell you one secret. If you're inviting a friend who has a special need, maybe the person is an atheist or something, just find a way to hint me ahead of time. No matter what I'm preaching, I will enter that topic. <laughs> I will enter it. So just say, my friend is coming. He's Ulumba, Ulumba. Just find, no matter what I'll say, you know, I'm talking on Thanksgiving today, but by the way, you know, <laughs> I will branch. I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, or you say, ah, this person practices witchcraft. You'll just be surprised. In the sermon, I'll say, so we're teaching on relationship, but I just want the power of God to flow right now. <laughs> you know? Just hint me. I will plan it. Because it's a soul. Ah, yes. uh-huh. I don't joke with souls. All right? I don't joke with souls, or, or it can even be a conversation after church. Because it's important. So just learn to invite people to church. All right? Number two, and this is very easy, because you see, there are different types of evangelism. You know, there is, the, you might have the opportunity to sit on a well and have a long conversation, but sometimes it's brief. It's a short trip. Maybe a short road transportation you want to be able to get someone saved in just a few minutes. Five minutes. Three minutes. Sometimes it's the Ethiopian eunuch on a chariot about to go. You have to make it count. So what are you going to do then? This is a good place to start. You just say this. You know what? We may never meet again. So I want to give you this. Good conversation starter. We may never meet again. So I want to give you this. And you know what you're going to give? The gospel. Go on and explain the gospel. You can start with a personal testimony. Before I met Jesus, I was this, 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 this. I received the gospel. My life changed, you know. And I just want you to know, God loves you very much. He sent his son to die if you believe in him. So, I'm not giving you the entire message. We've talked about viral message. You might want to listen to that. So now I'm just starting with sharing with you conversation starters. So we may never meet again, so I want to give you this. Or another thing you can simply say is, God said to tell you that he loves you so much. God said to tell you that he loves you so much. Isn't that true? So now those are direct comments. You can also start conversations with questions. Questions. 
There is one that walked all the time, you know, when I was in my parents' house. So then um, I didn't have a car. So I would go home with bikes. And every day when the bike would drop me, because they don't know if that's my house or not. Of course, there were some who knew me, but there were others who didn't. And this worked all the time. I just say, you know what? Do you know any church around here? What church will you recommend, you know, for someone who is new around here? And so they say, oh, there's this church around the corner, and then there's that church. And I'll just, just, next question, which one do you attend? Preaching has started. It works all the time. Works all the time. So what church around here can you recommend? People like to help. So it's, oh, there's one there. There's one there. Which do you attend? Oh, you don't go to church. You should go to church. You see, you know, preaching has started. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? This one has actually really worked for me uncountable times, so it's a good one. Um, then... This, this other one that work, works for me all the time, when you talk about a close relative or someone close to you that you lost or that went to be with Jesus, you know, talk about how wonderful the person is. Oh, he's with Jesus now. And then question, where do you think people go when they die? Where do people go when they die? It's a good question. You know, I was on a plane, <laughs> flying somewhere, privileged to be in business class. And one of the main reasons I like to fly business class is it's an opportunity to meet some people who you might never meet anywhere else, to, to preach. And I've seen all kinds of characters. You know, rich people have different ways of expressing spirituality, different. One woman said, you know, my, my own spirituality, Every October, <laughs> wait, wait now, you have no head. Say, I travel to Israel and I trek around. I'm telling you, I trek around and I don't talk to anybody. You know, ha. You know and, and this is someone very highly placed in the society, you know, a lot of money. That's not, and you see a lot of people, you know, money has changed people. There was this young boy. <laughs> Let me, let me tell you how wealthy they are. So they had a house on an island in Lagos. And he told me that one night robbers came. And the next morning, they were so scared, they left that house and they have not stepped foot there since then. This was about 10 years ago. Their own house. So I almost said, sorry, write the address here. Right? <laughs> so I said, right here. I almost forgot preaching that. Just first write number 28. Help me write it here. <laughs> As the rich people get problems, say, I'm triggered and triggered. <laughs> Trigger bow. <laughs> Your own house. That, oh, it, it just kept reminding us of that fateful night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so when I, preached to, when I preached to him, I said, where do you think people go when they die? He said, do you believe there is hell? Are we not in hell already? This country is so hard. <laughs> I said, sir, no behaviors. You never see anything. <laughs> you know, he said, the country is so hard. Are we not in hell already? I said, bro, <laughs> no. 
Oh God, please preach. People need it. <laughs> all kinds, all kinds of responses. Is are we not in hell already? I looked at him. I thought he was joking. <laughs> he said, "The country is so hard. Are we not in hell?" <laughs> you never see. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I mean, it's it's. It's good. You see, a popular evangelist said, if I can get people to think of eternity for five minutes, I can get them saved. The reason why many people don't receive the gospel is they don't see any real urgency to it. They are so fixated on the present. But if you can help them see that even if you live a hundred years, you will leave this earth one day. Just help them think about that. Michael had this approach. He will ask someone, so where do you see yourself in 10 years? The person will say, oh, I see myself doing this and that. They say, what next? What about 50 years from now? What about 100 years from now? Eventually, the person laughs and then gets the point. You know, so we're all going to die one day. Where are you going? You know, so it's very important to help people think and ponder eternity. Very important. Another very simple conversation starter is, who do you think to be the greatest person in history? And please, when it reaches your turn, don't say Lionel Messi. It's close, but it's not Lionel Messi. Definitely it's not Cristiano Ronaldo. Definitely. I had man you lost yesterday. Is it, is it true? Okay, let me focus on the gospel. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. And then, you know, of course, you meet people who say, I go to church, uh, you know, and they use that to end conversations. Oh, I'm good. I go to church. I don't need preaching. You might say, they might even tell you their denomination. I'm a committed Catholic. I'm a committed Baptist. I'm a committed, you know, and this is how you should respond. They said there are two kinds of Catholics, the types, the ones that are going to heaven and the ones that are going to hell. Which one are you? <laughs> yes, it's true. Because, you, you, listen, they need to know that going to church regularly is not enough. That you find yourself in a garage doesn't make you a car. <laughs> you, you, you like Amavi? I could not be See? Oh, let me clean my sweat. <laughs> It's just that uh, <laughs> you enter, I mean, you shock you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this is so important. Listen, thank God for all these tactics and all of that. They're just helpful. They're just tips. In fact, I think they are beginner tips. When it all comes down to it, you're not as shy as you think. Have you seen people who are so shy, they won't preach to their relative, all the relative's life, then the person is on a sick bed about to die, then the boldness will come from nowhere. They will grab the person and start shouting, you must believe, say after me, you know. Where did the boldness come from? It's, you just lack the sense of urgency. That's the problem. You're not really shy. Anything you are truly persuaded about, you will say boldly. I'm telling you. You know, there are some people, they are so gentle, they don't really speak up for themselves. Push them to the wall. Just go to the most gentle guy in this room and slap him. 
slap him seven times. Even if he doesn't have the nerve to fight you, he will cry. <laughs> and that's some form of expression. You see? <laughs> We're all expressive. So, I think the number one motivation is just the worth of his soul. There's a sermon I'm getting ready to preach one day. And the sermon goes thus. How do we enjoy eternity in heaven knowing that our loved ones are in hell? Maybe you never thought about it. And we'll share on that another day. But the reality is, even the people who hate your guts when you preach will not find it funny if they look from down where they are and see you enjoying it. <laughs> they won't find it funny. So the least you can do is to make sure that your hands are free of their blood. Is the least, because I'm telling you, both for those who are not prepared and those who are preparing, Jesus is coming. You, you can't change that. He's coming. This is not a game. This is not a club. This is real. He's coming. Take this seriously. There was one encounter I had that changed my life. It was a simple conversation I had with a mentor I had in the university. So we're supposed to have this program. One of our first ministry programs ever. This was 2009. And we couldn't afford a venue. I wanted to talk to a pastor that I knew to let us, for him to let us use his church. But I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to go about it. You know, so I was just explaining my fears to this mentor. And then he asked me a simple question. He said, what's the worst that can happen? He said, the worst they would say is no. As simple as that, it, 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 listen, it was liberating. That encounter is the reason we have the church. We have a church today. Because if I wasn't bold enough to take that small step, to have that small program, it might have hindered every other thing we would have done after that. But just someone saying, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? So when you preach the gospel, what's the worst that can happen? This is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get you to understand. He said, you have not even resisted unto blood. You've not resisted unto blood. No one has put a sword on your neck. Some of you, because you read Acts chapter 4, that the folks in that room were praying and they were filled with boldness. You are praying for boldness to preach. The difference is, they, their lives were threatened. No one has ever threatened your life. They prayed for boldness because they told them, if we catch you again, we will arrest you and maybe kill you. You are praying for boldness to talk to your classmates, to your colleague at work. So what happens then when your life is at risk? What, what will you then do? Will that be the end? Praying for boldness? But you have a marketing job. Back to that, right? <laughs> what are you going to tell the angels? What are you going to tell God? Did you pray for boldness when you were asking your babe out? Your friends hyped you. You know, guy, go. No shaking. Okay, well, you, you know all those things. <laughs> and even if you were horrible at it, you, at least you did it. Someone asked my sister out when it was done. She said, sorry, how did I do? Did I toast too well? <laughs> True life story. Sorry. You wanted feedback. 
Did I, did I toast you well? <laughs> she looked at him seriously. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are only three possible outcomes when you preach. It is either the person believes and gets saved or a seed is sown. This is the part a lot of people miss. Just because someone was even hostile to you doesn't mean what you did was a waste. They may not even pay you any attention, but when you leave, the things that you said, the conversations that you brought up will keep re-echoing in the person's heart. There's a reason why you preach to some people and it's easy. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's usually because some other people have planted the seed. And you just came. That's, listen, this is the mentality behind the statement, Paul has planted, Apollos has watered. You have to understand ministry is not all the time a one-person effort. So you start the work and some other people continue. So sometimes the, the seed is sown, but you feel, oh my God, I was embarrassed. Yet something happened. And don't forget, we're talking about the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry, sometimes all you need is to plant the seed. The Holy Spirit will take those words, hammer the person's heart. The person will sleep, will see you. The person will wake up, will be hearing your voice. The ministry of the Spirit is powerful. Just play your part. Play your part. Play your part. Ah, especially when you pray before you go. Eh? You say, no, don't worry. Just do your part and go. Let the Holy Spirit... Angels know how to take over. They know how to take over. You will dream tire. <laughs> there was a lady, you know, small offense. Someone offended her or something, so she left the church. So she said, every night, I would tap her, you know, in the dream. She would stand up. I would open Bible, start teaching her. <laughs> so after one month, she said, you know what? I'm coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are not alone. He says, God also walking with them, confirming their words. Uh-huh. Do you understand? So there's the ministry of the Spirit. Plant the seed. So now, you have... A two over three possibility of success. That's a good possibility. That's a good probability. But here is the good part. You actually have three over three chance of not wasting your time. Listen, you will never waste your time preaching the gospel. Because even if you get rejected, there's a reward for that. Even if you get rejected... There's a reward for that. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11? He said, blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. He says, for great is your reward in heaven. He didn't just say you have a reward in heaven. He says, it's great. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. You will never waste your time preaching. Never. There is zero possibility of a preaching attempt being a failure. Zero possibility. So preach. Get on there and preach. You know why many of us are scared to preach? Because we're trying to be friends with everybody. Trying hard to be friends, to be nice. We don't want anyone to see us some type of way. Guess what? That's why you don't have many friends. The irony of life. 
see, people like people who have firm convictions. There is something attractive about a man or a lady who says, you know, of course, it doesn't mean you're not careful or you're rude to people, but you are, you are very open about your convictions. People like people like that. Let me do a little behavioral science for you. It's true even of relationship. Ladies find men with strong convictions attractive, who know what they are doing, are not afraid to say what's on their mind, what they want, where they are going. Be direct. Why you? Why you carry my bag? Why they? Why you buy me lunch? Talk. So what I'm talking about will help you in every aspect of your life. Listen, listen. You know, when you look at even the famous faces online, let me mention a few of their names. Lassie Eleno, MC Lively, Brother Shaggy, and all those guys. Apart from the manner of their jokes and everything, you know what they have in common? They rant often. You know, and they just speak their mind and they're very brash. And listen... There is something about that that people like. People are drawn to people who know how to speak their mind and just say it. They find it funny or they find it attractive. A man that's, do you understand? So when you look at Jesus, he was a man's man. <laughs> he will say his mind. You see, there was something I was going to say if I was going to preach last week. By the way, the reason I didn't preach, the pastors accosted me and said, I'm working too hard, I must not preach. So I just want you to know, they are already ganging up against me in this ministry. <laughs> but if I was going to preach, I was going to say this. Anyway, my wife did a good job, didn't she? <laughs> Turn the Bible, Matthew chapter 9. This is a typical example of God-fidence. Just learning, you know, from the life of Jesus. I want you to see what a typical day in Jesus' earthly ministry look like, and the amount of confrontation he had to face on a daily basis. So let's assume that Matthew chapter 9 from verse 1 was in the morning, right? And so this happened. There was a man sick with palsy, paralytic man. And Jesus, instead of saying, be healed, Jesus said, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And he said that in the midst of Pharisees. And so the guys were angry. Who do you think you are? How can you forgive sins? And Jesus said, calm down. Which is easier to say be healed or say your sins are forgiven? I said it on purpose. I said the longer one on purpose so that you would know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Ah, problem. <laughs> you know, I'm reading it and saying, no wonder they killed you, sir. No, that's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> you know, he said, it's easier to say, be healed. He said, I said it on purpose so that you will know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Ah! After that, he's walking on the road. He sees Matthew, a scandalous man. Publican. Tax collector. You know, I remember when I was studying this some time ago, at that time, I had some issues with customs. They seized one of my cars, you know, and some trouble. It was not my fault, trust me. But they impounded the car, and 
you know, I paid 700,000 to get it out. So when I was reading, I said, Matthew, Jesus, you spoke to Matthew. I was angry too. And Jesus saw him and said, follow me. Didn't really care what people thought. And when people asked him about it, he said, those who are sick are the people who need a physician. Physician. He says, those who are whole don't need a physician. Easier read than done. See your pastor in a club and let him tell you that. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to model your ministry after Jesus? It's easy to read. Let me be sitting here. Then one babe should come and use her hair, leg, be rubbing my leg like this, and be pouring oil, and be rubbing my leg, you know. <laughs> pastor, do you see the way my wife is looking at me? <laughs> Is this for you to read and say, eh, wow, Jesus was so compassionate. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says it's sick people who need a physician. Not just that. Much after, some people came and asked him about fasting. Two disciples don't fast. He said, eh, when the bridegroom is around, there's no mourning. You know, when he goes, then they will mourn. You know, it was just like, as if, back-to-back -back criticism, and he handled it gracefully. He had a reply. Then he went to a burial. A young girl had just died. Everybody was crying. He said, he told everybody, stop crying. She's not dying. She's, she's not dead. She's sleeping. It was so ridiculous that the people stopped crying and started laughing. They laughed him to scorn. Do you know what it means to laugh someone to scorn? Those of you who attended boarding house, you need to have, maybe you came to school with Gurimapa. You cut all your. Some of you know. It's still haunting you, Abby. From the gate, they go start. They will look from the window and start. Hey, God. Some of us, is yab that made us stylish. When, next time you go to the papa, you say, you point, say, pick this style. Is this style I want? Now, yab, because you know you won't survive it. You know, imagine being a disciple of Jesus at, at that time, standing with him. Jesus, what do you mean she's sleeping? Go raise and make with the go now. <laughs> see, she's not dead, she's sleeping. All that I shared with you happened in one day. One day, one day, someone could be so counterculture, confident in the will of God. He didn't really care what people thought. Listen, there is no other way to be an evangelist. You can't care too much. That's why he said, before you follow me, carry your cross. It's a death sentence. Don't you understand? Being friends with the world is enmity against God. Settle in your mind. Listen, he said the servant is not greater than the master. They hated me. They will hate you. The reason you care too much is because you've not counseled yourself. Before you follow Jesus, you first counsel yourself so that if they counsel you, it's okay. <laughs> Don't you understand? Yes, sir. Paul said, we are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Meaning we are ready to die. What are you saying? What can separate us from the love of God in Christ? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elects? 
That's the mentality of an evangelist. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You're trying too hard to please men. Trying too hard. I remember I entered one room in the university just to pick something or not to preach. Just, I needed, I think, a notebook from a classmate, you know. And as I just entered, someone just looked at me and smacked. <laughs> Born against. Born again, sorry. So in my mind, I was like, ah, is that something to be sad about? <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to live forever and you're going to die. <laughs> You they have me with born again. <laughs> oh, I have eternal life, you don't. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you have? Are you ashamed? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Hallelujah. Say that with me. Say, I'm not ashamed. ashamed. Say it again. Say, I'm not ashamed. ashamed. Listen, God is hearing you as you say it. Say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Hallelujah. Grow a spine. Come on. Grow a spine. You know, there's a nursery rhyme that says, don't be a chicken, quack, quack, quack. I love that. It's a, it's a rhyme uh, on um, evangelism for children. Don't be a chicken. Be bold. Hallelujah. Come on, I said be bold. Imagine. My wife said something very profound last week. There are men who are bold enough to start dressing like women. You know, you can be so counterculture, you know, and some of you don't like that, but you are fascinated because there is something about us that is fascinated about bold people. We still checking, mm, why is he dressing like this? <laughs> That's why they are trending online. <laughs> but you, you have an authentic message, a message that can actually save lives. And you're quiet, and you're quiet, and you're quiet, be bold. So this week, you will take that discipleship man up, all right? Please download it on your phone. And I want you to mark out five people, five people. Five people you will witness to. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the right words. And listen, you know what he said? He said, when you show up at that time, you don't even need to premeditate. He will give you words. <laughs> he will give you words. I remember I was sitting, you know, trying to preach to a lady in school, thinking, what do I say? And all of a sudden, you know what came out? How was daddy's birthday? Hey, so... The Holy Ghost said, ask her, how was her daddy's birthday? How was her daddy's birthday? So I was like, Holy Ghost, you put me in trouble. Okay. I said, how was your dad's birthday? She looked at me and said, how did you know yesterday was my dad's birthday? I said, sit down. The Lord sent me to you. I now became bold. <laughs> oh my God, it's sweet. I mean, and I'm saying as if I was confident from day one. 
Say, sit down. I have a word from you. I have a, <laughs> I have a word for you. Glory to God. And as you do these things, you get better and bolder, and you will see more spiritual gifts at work. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I've heard many great evangelical stories about you guys, how bold you are, the steps you take, and it makes me happy. You know, there was one of us who was preaching on the streets, and someone was passing, Say, I know that voice. That's when your voice is popular for evangelism. Say, I know that voice. That's Yemi. <laughs> and checked, and it was. <laughs> I said, yes. That's the daughter of this ministry. May the Lord use you in a powerful way. Because many people come to the throne room of God, bombarding heaven with needs, only to hear God asking, whom shall I send? So God has prayer requests also. Everybody is counting on God to meet a need. And God is looking for who to count on. Because it's true that at the end of the day, he will wipe away the tear from every eye and bring us up to heaven. But what about the tears on his own eye? For people for whom Christ died, who never got to receive that message of salvation. Don't let, let anyone tell you that there's nothing you can do for God. There's a lot you can do for him. You can do for him something he can do for himself. And that's to preach the gospel. So with that, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And he has given to us the message of reconciliation. Oh, that we will come to a point where we'll talk like Paul and say, we beseech you in Christ's stead. What a mentality that we continue where Christ stopped. In Christ was the provision. In us is the announcement of salvation. We are a part of that assignment. We are as responsible for the gospel as the incarnate son of God was. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now God is in us announcing reconciliation. That's what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. You continue where Christ stopped. Can God count on you? Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7,000 Blessings